please be seated. Whenever we have a baptism, I can't help but remember when our children were baptized, it was a very precious time, and we're thinking of you, uh, John and Diana, uh, today, and little Joel. And it brings back memories from when our kids were small as well, not quite as small as that, but uh, like the occasion when my wife, Frances, and her friend, Helen, let our five-year-old daughter, Hannah, and her four-year-old friend, Luke, play upstairs. That was good. The mums were able to have a chat. The trouble was uh, that Hannah and Luke moved from where they were into our bedroom. And Francis and Helen suddenly heard all kinds of crashing around upstairs and lots of giggles and laughter, followed by one of those worrying silences. Francis flew up the stairs to investigate to see what was actually going on. What's going on here? Well, she found out what was going on. They'd been using our bed as a trampoline, as you do. But before they'd started bouncing, unfortunately, they'd found some nail varnish on the dressing table and out of curiosity took the lid off to have a look and see what was inside. And then they went bouncing with bottle in hand. Can you imagine it? <laughs> there were splashes of red nail varnish over the sheets, the walls, the furniture, their hands, and Frances couldn't believe her eyes when she walked into the bedroom. And uh, she could see instantly something had happened. Well, she broke the news to me when uh, I got home, and it was funny. It was also maddening, and they did get told off as well. It's a good job the circuit stewards weren't uh, going to visit the property that belonged to the church that weekend. Otherwise, they would have said, what on earth's <laughs> been going on here as well? What on earth is going on here? Hold on to that thought just for a moment. According to Matthew's ordering of the gospel, it had been a long and arduous couple of days for our Lord. He'd been teaching and explaining parables. He'd given the Sermon on the Mount. And the crowds had followed him. He'd come down from the mountainside and they'd gone with him. What on earth is going on here? They must have thought. And earlier in the chapter, in Matthew 8, we can also read that Jesus healed a man of leprosy. Then there was the long-distance healing of a Roman centurion uh, who'd asked for his paralyzed servant to be healed. And then Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law at home. And later that evening, he'd healed even more people. He'd driven out demons as well. What's going on here? And the Lord must have been exhausted. Mark's gospel tells us it was evening. It was drawing on into the evening and darkness was clearly approaching. And yet Jesus wanted the disciples to join him in a boat and make a journey to the other side of the lake. I remember going to 
the Holy Land on pilgrimage a few years ago with some members of this church and some uh, listeners to Premier Christian Radio. And what a privilege and a very precious time it was to go and to preach, for me to preach, on the Sea of Galilee in a boat with that beautiful scenery. Not worshipping in church, but being church on the water of Galilee. And remember that boats were often symbols of the church too. Fish, a symbol of Christians. And many of the disciples were fishermen. And they would have known that storms could blow through the valley. They could hit the water with enormous force. And being only 165 feet at its deepest, relatively shallow water could easily whip up. Tranquility could give way to waves, driving rain and gale force winds. And the many boats at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee bear testimony to the power of those raging storms. And in the middle of the night, there was no one to rescue you. Well, in today's reading, when a furious storm strikes, those who should have trusted Jesus after all that they had witnessed were terrified that they were going to drown. And remember, some of these were fishermen. They knew just how dangerous it was. And they turn to an exhausted Jesus. And they wake him. He was peacefully sleeping in the boat. And they needed to be saved. And so they pleaded with him in one uh, version, don't you care if we drown? What's going on here? Oh, Jesus cared, all right. He cares for all of his children. And I love the message Bible's rendering of today's gospel reading. I'd like to share it with you. When Jesus reprimanded the disciples, the message puts it this way. Why are you such cowards, such faint hearts? Then he stood up and told the wind to be silent, the sea to quiet down, silence. The sea became smooth as glass. The men rubbed their eyes, astonished. What's going on here? Wind and sea come to heal at his command. I think it's a refreshing retelling of that story, and it picks up that phrase, what's going on here? So there's a storm, there's the silence that follows, which provokes that reaction. The disciples have to rub their eyes. What's just happened? What's going on? And our translation today, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. It was Jesus who invited those disciples to set sail. And it's he who invites us on a journey with him, whatever our age, to leave the crowds where everywhere one else is going, and to trust him, and to go his way, and to get you where he wants you to be, and that might be the other side from where a lot of other people are. The living Jesus 
is not unconcerned. Hear the Lord of creation say to your storm, peace, be still. Well, I think uh, many of us, if you think of this church as being the boat, I guess many of us at the moment may have come to church with a storm in our lives. Whatever your storm is, hear his voice. Do not be afraid. He is in control and he wants you to go on the journey with him. And he may say, pipe down to your circumstance, settle down and he will be with you. And it may be that it's just not about your journey, it's about the journey of others too. Maybe we're the ones who are to come alongside others who are in the midst of a storm that's raging. I don't know about you, but when I heard that passage, I couldn't help but think of migrants crossing the sea and what they've been facing. And others facing awful storms in the world. Are we a people who in Christ's name will come alongside them in such a way that others will look at what we're doing and saying, what's going on here? Why does she love and care like that? Why does he speak with such wise authority on this matter or that? And why do they exercise trust in the Lord in the midst of all this? What's going on here? It might be that we've got to step out of our comfort zone. Jesus calling us to follow him in a new way. And it's wrong for Christians to think that being a Christian means that everything will go well for us. It's tempting to think that we'll face nothing difficult if the Lord's on our side. He promised to be with us, and he is the one who is in control, not us. And we need to trust him even when the difficult times come, because they came to Jesus as well. But in time, his promises were seen. And I'm afraid, sisters and brothers, you will face times of difficulty, troubles in your families and relationships, suffering through illness, disease or war, the pain of maybe persecution or oppression, worries about your money resources, despair, uh, poverty. You may face grief, you probably will face grief and bereavement and loss. Storms are a fact of life. But when Jesus is in the boat with you, as the Sunday school song goes, you can smile at the storm. What's more, sometimes when we come alongside others who are going through the storm, that can mean our adventure becomes even more adventurous. Uh, eventful. In other words, we face more storms because we're going through it with other people. It's much easier to actually go on our own way and shelter and find a nice place to rest. Jesus says, no, come with me on the journey and you will face storms. 
And if we're about the radical work of the kingdom, if we're about tackling justice and the struggle for justice and compassion and peace and holiness, it will get us into difficult times. As I said earlier, boats are a symbol of the church. The sea was seen by Jews as a metaphor. It represented evil forces at work in the world, particularly the trials that God's peoples faced. The storm, therefore, expressed conflicts that can befall the church, especially during violent times of persecution. We ought not be surprised that we face times of difficulty, but it's how we respond in the storm that's important. The disciples called out to the Lord and he answered. Are you calling out to the Lord at the moment? For you, for others. For as you do, and as the Lord answers, people will say, what's going on here? Martin quite rightly uh, said that I had chosen this theme for a reason. That I think he was joking last week when he listed the fact that we'd got the baptism, we've got the dedication of children and young people, we've got the celebration of 25 years of marriage, we've got promotions Sunday, we've got meetings of different fellowships in the life of the church, a picnic in the park. I hope people will be saying of this church, what's going on here? There is so much going on. We need people to do that. We are about a people on the journey. We've seen it through all the ages, growing in faith, helping one another through that journey. doesn't matter how old we are, we're still learning. But we're actually about joy of celebration together. We're about the struggle together. We're about tackling mission together. We're about changing our work environment together so that other people will be saying of us, What's going on here? See how these Christians love one another. And that was my point, Martin. <laughs> it wasn't a, a, um, a chance happening because I believe that's what we should be about. When Synod met here yesterday, Christians and uh, lay and ordained gathered together here talking about being those pesky Methodists who protest and are passionate and who pray. That was the theme of our synod because that phrase, those pesky Methodists, was often uh, used as a kind of thing, well, the Methodists aren't going to get us into any trouble. Um, actually, we need to rediscover we're a movement that's about change and bringing scriptural holiness into the land as Jesus does his work through us. This is an active, vibrant church. We should expect to see the Holy Spirit at work. And I pray that we will not rest until we're tackling all these things together and that people will say, what on earth is going on at that church? Why is it growing when other churches are declining? If the Lord of creation is on our side and with us, 
We should be full of creativity and imagination and vision. We should be seeking to heal in the Lord's name, not us, but Jesus through us, and struggle for justice in the world. We should be peacemakers and holy troublemakers, people who are actually concerned about homelessness and actually give up some of our time to come alongside those who are homeless, who give to the Westminster Food Bank because we believe people should be cared for, who actually care that today is the 15th anniversary of 9-11 because we don't want a world that's dominated by terrorism and we feel that the world should be different and we will pray to that end that we are concerned that so many young men are committing suicide because they feel they have no hope and nobody to listen to them, that we're actually concerned about the city of Aleppo at the moment, and we're praying that this 10-day truce may come to something better than we've had before. Because we want people to say of the world, what's going on here? Why is there suddenly a change? And maybe we can be a part of that change. I close with a story about a miller who finished his work. His overalls were covered in flour. And he edged his way home from work through the crowded streets and shops. And as he went, he left his mark on everyone. Because as he rubbed up against everybody, the flour rubbed off. I pray that just as Hannah and Jonathan, when they were bouncing around on the bed, left <laughs> a mark, <laughs> that when actually Jesus makes a difference to our lives, it may be the mark of the cross, the mark of love that rubs off on us so that people don't see that we're troublemakers that need to be told off, but troublemakers who are making a difference with the blood of the cross rather than the red nail varnish. J. Oswald Sanders once said, peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. May the presence of God be in this world through your open heart. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, sometimes when the storm comes, we panic. When we see what's going on in the world, we wonder whether anything could possibly change. And we know you don't call us to do everything, but you call us to do something for you. So that whatever we do, like that miller, as we do our job properly, something will rub off and be useful for your kingdom. Help us to remember that you are not asleep, that you care and you weep and you suffer and you will rise again and your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Use us, Lord, we thank you that something is going on here. Amen.